At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the Warhammer 40k podcast where you get to write the script. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show and maybe even jump your story in the line, or maybe even read stories with me, or maybe you have a story you'd like to read to me, head on over to Patreon at Lorehammer Listener Lore and check out all the cool ways to get involved and support the show. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lores, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. Hey, I'm your host, Marcus. How's it going? Happy weekend, everybody. Um, today, we got a super long episode. Uh, I'm going to give you a brief little teaser. Uh, it's about Sisters of Battle called The Order of the Crimson Lily. And um, this was written by Thomas. Um, yeah, this is kind of cool. Uh, he's compiled like a 13-page document here, and uh, there's artwork, and it's all formatted beautifully. Like it, it looks like it's a Lexicanum article where the you know it just has everything pop perfect. It has populations of cities and like dates and all these crazy things. I'm just scrolling through it right now. It's 13 pages of notes, including pictures of beautiful miniatures. So fantastic. I'm really excited to look forward to it. Um, this one was one of the earliest listener lores we ever got. And unfortunately, it was just so long that we were never able to share it on Lorehammer Main. So I'm really excited to be, sh- be able to share it with you. So once again, this story is called The Order of the Crimson Lily, and it is written by Thomas. Lesser Order Militant Parent Formation Order of the Bloody Rose Typical Strength Between 3 to 5 Preceptorians Approximately 3,500 to 6,000 Sisters at Arms Homeworld Rakas IV Honored Saint Mina Founding 136M41 Planus Rakas IV Segmentum Ultima Segmentum System Rakas System Population 285 million affiliation imperium class gamma civilized world subclass cardinal world capital city gothenburg population 35 million planetary governor governor 
Cardinal Astral Maximilian Frost VII. Rackus IV was classified mu, feudal, prior to 136M41, when Cardinal Heferius Faust landed on the planet and declared it a new dominion of his diocese, following a vision attributed to the god-emperor of mankind. Rackus IV has less than 30% surface water and is desolate wasteland near its equator. The only region that allows human settlement without resorting to mysteries of the Dark Age of technology are the moderate areas near the North and Southern Poles. The Cathedral of the Crimson Lily, dedicated to the God Emperor of Mankind and St. Mina, is the largest single building on the planet, located in the Southern Hemisphere, around which the cardinal city Porto Fautis grew, the center of worship for the sector. The administration capital, which is also by far the largest city on the planet, Gothenburg is about 200 kilometers from Porto Faustis, also on the southern hemisphere. In the outskirts of Gothenburg, with an extensive with extensive training facilities and firing ranges, it is the Scolio Pigenium's Horinian Faust named by a late cardinal in his honor. The northern hemisphere is to this day dominated by feudal tribes and bandits that roam the desert wastelands. The Imperium generally leaves these tribes alone, as long as they contribute their share to the planet's tithes. Far away from any major population centers, in the northern salt sea of Desolus, in the Astral Watchtower, a psyker prison under the watchful eye of the Inquisition. While it had started as one tower of limestone encased in adamantium to contain one powerful psyker, it has grown over the centuries into a massive prison complex. In the late M41 millennium, the Astral Watchtower contained latent psychers and warp-capable heretics until they can be transported on one of the black ships, frequently passing the planet. The Inquisition has a hand in the wastes of Desolus, which is off-limits for almost everyone else. Only the commandery of Canonis Maria, the Witchblade, mistress of the Astral Watchtower, is allowed to enter and leave. The Crimson Cardinal has absolute control over most of the planet, since the Ecclesiarchy controls all major water purification plants on Rackus. In Gothenburg, there is a saying that anyone holy enough to become a cardinal can't be a saint. In the constant power struggles of Rackus, assassination attempts and backstabbing are just a part of everyday politics. Three things dominate the life of the average citizen. His Holiness, the Cardinal Astra, and the lack of drinking water, and the fact that almost no land exists that allows for solid foundations of buildings. Very few buildings of significant height exist, with the Crimson Citadel being the dominant structure. Most regular houses start to tilt after a while as the sand below shift over time, and even when a house is maintained regularly, cracks will eventually appear in the walls and the whole building might collapse. Such a collapsed building then forms the foundations for the next, the generations after generations building on the ruins of the former. Gothenburg has some of the oldest buildings due to it being built on rocky terrain, with countless roads riding up and down the city's numerous hills. Shirenka is the opposite extreme, with the entire city consisting of temporary housing built on the ruins of the past. Uh, I'm going to do this lesson of lore a little bit differently. I'm going to stop here and just kind of give my comments on this part because it, it's 13 pages of notes. So I'm going to stop and pause it kind of when 
we get into new sections, but I figured this is a good spot. Uh, so we were talking about the planet. I really like when you can just picture the planet. You know, they have all the details. They have population limits. They have names of cities. They have biomes. It's really cool how you've kind of uh, just fleshed out every little bit of this. Um, the coolest part, my takeaway from all of this, was definitely the astral watchtower. That thing sounds fucking sweet. A psycho prison under the watchful eyes of the Inquisition. Um, and I also loved the uh, the name of the commander there, the canonist Ma- uh, Maria, the Witchblade, mistress of the astral watchtower. Um, yeah, that's such a cool feature. Um, I really like that. I can't wait to learn more, too, about the Crimson uh, Citadel, because uh, that sounds pretty sweet, too, but... I, I can picture that one in my head, the whole 40k gothic architecture. That one sounds sweet. The other cool two little features are, like, the lack of drinking wa- water, so you can easily control the population, and then also the fact that no land exists. Like, you have to... Oh, yeah, 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 you have to build houses on top of houses. You just stack and stack. It reminds me of, uh, I yeah, you know, like, Mexico City, where it's just, like, shantytown on shantytown on shantytown. Very cool stuff. Okay, back into the lore. Nueva Castelia, Planet Defense Garrison. Cardinal Astra Faust uh, divined the ideal location for the planetary defense garrison in communion with the spirit of the God Emperor. When the architects pointed out that they can't build a fortress on sand, they were promptly executed, <laughs> and Cardinal Frost was found more reasonable architect, one that knows when to shut up. <laughs> Nueva Casta was opened by Cardinal Foss himself 12 years later, after countless partial collapses of the building complex during construction. Even during the opening ceremony, cracks started to appear in the walls, floors, and ceilings around the Cardinal, giving his speech, as the ever-shifting sands reacted to the enormous building. Enormous effort went into ensuring that the building does not collapse in the aftermath, but all the Cardinal's men could not prevent the inevitable. Three years after it was open, large parts of the fortress were swallowed by the sands. Other parts of the complex remained above ground, but at odd angles since their foundation started to tilt under the uneven pressure. In his endless wisdom, the cardinal ensured that more men and materials were sent to fix the problem, which resulted in new parts of the building being added on tops of collapsed or submerged parts. This mad dance continues to this day with a new barracks, walls, and defenses added constantly on top of older parts of the building, which have been sinking. Nobody can tell if, it's so, if this so-called fortress could ever survive an actual siege, but it is a testament to the stubbornness of the cardinal, who was never deterred by the word impossible. Cool. Um, once again, you've done a great job of just describing this world and like the struggles and the difficulties that the people face. Um, I can just imagine everyone on this planet saying all the time, I hate sand, it gets everywhere, fuck it. Um, but yeah, like I love just that picture of just like this, this supposed to be fortress that is not really a fortress that one mortar shell in the right spot would crumble the whole thing, send it all into the dune pit. Um, It's just, yeah, such a cool image. Um, So we'll carry on. The Brief History of the Order of the Crimson Lily The Order of the Crimson Lily has its origin in the closing stages of the Twelfth Black Crusade, when surviving members of the diocese under Cardinal Foss fled from Bellatus IV uh, in... 143M41 to 151M41, as it was taken over by the forces of chaos. Cardinal Herminius Frost was able to evacuate with one of the most precious relics, 
but only about half of his diocese escorted to the Elysian system by the order of the Eben Chalice. During a visit to the shrine dedicated to St. Mina on Elysium, Frost was overcome with a vision to lead his diocese to the Segmentum Ultima in pilgrimage. They were accompanied by the preceptor of the Order of the Bloody Rose under Canidus Nora, which aided the cardinal in reconquering and cleansing a number of shrines and relics from marauders, filthy xenos, and chaos cults over the course of two decades. The pilgrimage ended on the world of Rackus IV, when Cardinal Faust found a field of crimson lilies in the desert, the site of an unspecified battle in lost history, except for local folklore that survived in oral retellings over the millennia. The Cassidid the Cathedral of the Crimson Lily was built in honor of the God Emperor of Mankind on the very spot of the pilgrimage end. The Order of the Crimson Lily was founded, with a new order militant consisting of former members of the Bloody Rose uh, Preceptory that had survived the length- lengthy pilgrimage and reinforcements of the Valor's Heart, as well as other orders that had been requested over the years but had never fully been relieved. The Crimson Cardinal was not a man to let anyone leave he felt might be still useful. Canonist Noria of the Bloody Rose, still ordained by the car- Cardinal as the first canonist of the New Order. At the same time, the Hospital Order of the Crimson Cross is founded that cares for the wounded along with the Scolia Progenium fa- facility near the capital. The non-militant orders of the Divine Cipher and the Sacred Path were founded as well to support at the rapidly growing cathedral and manage the great influx of pilgrimage to the previously sparsely populated world. In the first 150 years of the Order of the Crimson Lily had relatively few major engagements. Instead, it spent the majority of their time safeguarding pilgrims traveling to nearby shrines in the Segmentum Ultima, as well as the Cardinal of the Crimson Lily, which was completed in, or the Cathedral of the Crimson Lily, which was completed in 222 M41. Fending off water pirates and rooting out heretics trying to poison the minds of pilgrims kept the order busy and generated a sizable income, enabling the order to afford the best equipment and training. The lack of drinking water on the planet with a growing, rapidly growing population made it the most valuable commodity, and the ecclesiarchy owned and operated all water purifications on the planet. The Battle Sisters saw relatively little action compared to a frontier world, but found themselves often being executioners of those who stole drinking water, an offense punishable by death by dehydration. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Criminals guilty of major crimes on Rackus would not simply be killed or otherwise wasted, but sent to labor camps or processed to extract every drop of precious water and corpse starch from them and return it to society. In 399 M41, Rackus IV saw a short-lived war of faith, started by two priests who argued at the length over the location of the semicolon in the litanies of faith, which sounds minuscule, but would completely change the meaning of the entire paragraph. The situation escalated quickly, with both sides trying to convince the order militant to take down the opposing force. The situation was finally resolved when the Inquisitor Hengist arrived to investigate an unrelated incident. He invited both priests and their respective closet followers to a conclave to prevent any more bloodshed. 
To the surprise of many, the conclave was ambushed by orc snipers, killing the priests with precise bolt gun shots to the head before wiping out the entourage in gruesome fashion. Luckily, Inquisitor Hengus and his loyal stormtroopers were saved by the grace of the Emperor, but the orc snipers disappeared without a trace. For nearly 300 years, the Order of the Crimson Lily did not leave Rakus IV. In 666-M41, an inquisitor, Inquisition vessel containing Rogue Psyker, redacted, crash-landed on the northern hemisphere of Rakus IV. The only surviving member of the Order Malice, Inquisitor Katrina, requested support from the Battle Sisters. The Prioris understood that danger of the Rogue Psyker roaming on the planet and agreed. By the time the Crimson Lily under Canonus Agatha arrived, with support by mechanized interest infantry of the Rakus PDF, the Psyker had already subjugated a number of feudal desert tribes, as well as the, as well as the PDF infantry regiment, with the fell powers of his mind. For reasons only known to the Inquisition, the sisters were prohibited from just annihilating the rogue Psyker, instead were forced to suffer significant losses in efforts to apprehend him. The astral watchtower was built from the limestone found in the salty wasteland of Desolus and clad in ceramite and adamantium plates to restrain the sorcerer. While Katrina was awaiting for reinforcement, Desolus was, forbidden, was a forbidden area that the desert tribes would not dare to cross. Legend tells of foul beasts and men of iron waging wars there in the dark age of technology, reducing a once lush, lush oasis to a salt plain where no animal could survive and no plant would ever grow. Not waiting for an invitation, Inquisitor Katrina uh, decreed Rakus a suitable base for her operations. In the following centuries, the Inquisition would gradually expand the astral watchtower from a single prison cell into a massive prison complex and Psyker Asylum it is today. The desert tribes that were mind-controlled by the Psyker still repay the sisters for their shameful lack of mental strength, which was allowing the witch to poison their minds. The desert tribes pledged their strongest daughters every year as recruits to the Order Militant and the Crimson Lily, until the end of time. In 799-M41, the Crusader House of the Holy Knights of the Order Templars, dedicated to Saint Arbella Ascendant, is founded. Grand Master Hildebrandt of the Holy Order was leading the first of many crusades into the Selenica system in 810-M41 against a number of worlds branded heretical by the Cardinal. The Crusaders returned with a number of priceless relics and the head of anti-Cardinal Varnovs, the Purple. As a result, the Crusaders were able to build a castle on the outskirts of Nouvelle Castellia. The Order repeated its crusade every decade, but with diminishing returns, since the Selenica system only had a finite amount of plunder and heretics. Luckily, there is no lack of heresy, if one simply looks hard enough. So, the Crusaders simply started spreading out into other systems. Prioress Catalina took command of the Order in 855-M41, a woman who had little patience for the daily business of running an Order. Under her leadership, the standards for promotion were based first and foremost on personal preference, rather than faith, merit, or common sense. In 905-M41, Inquisitor Balthazar started with the investigations into the rumors of a chaos infestation in Gothenburg. Prioress 
Guinevere took command of the Order of the Crimson Lily in 906 M41, after Priorius Catalina was ambushed by ruthless, by ruthless orc snipers. God damn these orc snipers again! <laughs> Jeez, are there even orcs on this planet? It's hard to say. Um, I think it's a trick. The ranks of the Sister Repento were rapidly growing in subsequent months. Inquisitor Himinian concluded his investigations three years later after he was satisfied that no chaos infestation had taken root. To the joy of the cardinal, Himeniria <laughs> declared in a public address that not a single battle sister had fallen to chaos. In the aftermath of the Second War for Armageddon in 941-M41, the Order found itself dealing with orc incursions in neighboring systems for decades to come. During the last such crusade, a sister seraphim is found guilty of redacted. Upon return to Rackus IV, she volunteered to become a Repentia. The woman finds her death at the hands of Coronite Cultus and is reborn at the hand of the Ultramarine Apothecary after seven years of contents repentance in many systems. Upon return, she is being allowed back into the fold, reborn as Anastasia, but she finds it difficult to integrate with her fellow sisters. Prioress Guinevere grants Anastasia a com commandry, to much criticism from significant parts of the order. This new com commentary has the finest hour in 990M41, when the Doom Ward in the Space Marine chapter turns rogue and attacks the Astral Watchtower. In the, in the ensuing, ensuing close quarter combat, the attacking Doom Warden suffered heavy losses and retreated, but not before killing Canonus Anastasia, with the chaplain of the Doom Warring vowing eternal vengeance. Six weeks later, Anastasia awakened and raised again from the dead. The cardinal declared her a living saint after meeting with her, calling for celebrations in light of this miracle. Unfortunately, the cardinal died under mysterious circumstances mere days after the celebrations ended. Maybe more, maybe some more orc snipers, hard to say. While the third war for Armageddon started in 999 M41, the Crimson Lily was unable to aid the Argent Shroud which requested immediate assistance, since a new cardinal needed to be elected. The new cardinal Astra Maximum Faust VII was ordained as the new ruler of the planet after only six weeks of voting and roughly a dozen assassination attempts at various candidates. Maximilian is an orthodox defender of the ecclesiarchy, and with his 74 years of age at the time, the ordination was still very young for a cardinal. The commandery of the canonist Clara was sent to the hive world of Volgan in the years following to aid the evacuation of the ecclesiarchy, personnel, and important relics. After landing, it was clear that the main interest of the ecclesiarchy was safe passage for Cardinal Lechstein and his extended family, along with his wealth, while the planet faced destruction by an orc wog. The sisters refused to evacuate and instead aided in the defense of the city. Canonist Clara was cut into pieces by an orc war boss in front of her troops. Sister Superior Massilia rallied the troops by killing the war box with a combi melter and taking control of the defenses. The sisters managed to hold the line until the 404th Vulgan Armored Division arrived, which was considered destroyed after contact was lost with them three weeks earlier. The Imperium forces successfully mounted a counterattack with fire, faith, and fury until the Greenskins were eventually purged from the planet Vulcan. Massilia was promoted to Canonus for her bravery. 
As the 13 Black Crusades started in earnest, the Order of the Crimson Lily was initially blissfully unaware, dealing with corsairs and irritated pilgrims, until the planet Cadia broke and the rift tore the galaxy apart. Rackus IV found itself isolated from the light of the Astronomicon on the side of the Dark Imperium. Among the weak of mind, rumors quickly spread that this would mark the end times, and that the disappearance of the light of the Astronomicon means the God Emperor himself would be dead. The rise in heresy was fueled by the tear in real space across the Imperium, leading to the appearance of a strange phenomenon which is still visible with the naked eye at night from Rackus IV itself, bathing in the surrounding in a dim purple light after sunset. The Order moved out in force to quell the unrest, but for every heretic purge, two more seemed to appear. Canoness Maria attempted to get in contact with the Inquisitions of the uh, Astral Watchtower, but when her Aquila lander approached, they were unable to get close to the facility. The whole prison was under a dome-shaped force field. Any attempts on penetrating unsuccessful so far? It is not even clear if this is... This field is a result of the unholy warp activity caused by the inmates or some protection mechanism of the Inquisition from the Dark Ages of Technology. Rackus IV is suddenly finding itself on the front lines of trade allegiance, chaos demons, xenos races, with only the Cardinal and his living saint Anastasia to guide them. Cool. So that's a brief history of the Order of the Crimson Lily. I like how it's founded. Like, uh, it just started off as like this holy pilgrimage of a bunch of different factions, and they found this sweet spot, like uh, a fi- uh, a field of lilies, red lilies in a desert, and they're like, "Yeah, this this is a holy spot. Many many saints must have died here." So they just set up camp. Um, they're controlling the drinking water. They kind of do that. Uh, the Sisu battle didn't see a lot of action, but kind of were more just like enforcers on the planet, it sounded like. They were, con- they were guarding water facilities and stuff like that. I kind of really like the, the term water pirates uh, that you throw out there. Like, yeah, if there's not a lot of water, that's the most valuable thing. People are going to fucking fight and die and kill for it, for sure. You, you made me laugh a couple times while reading, um, like just out of like grim, dark bleakness of it. Like, oh, so you stole water? Uh, the penalty of that is dehydration till you're dead. <laughs> and then we're going to take all the water out of your body. And then we're going to turn your body into corpse starch and reprocess the water. It's just, it's so grim, dark and like, oh my God. Um, you had some cool stuff too with uh, like the astral watchtower and just how that was found in a little more details about that and the first thing that was pretty cool i also really liked how as it progresses like you did it in like here's a 100 year chunk and you know thousands of things happened in this 100 year chunk but really this is the notable thing that kind of shaped it like uh they when the Holy Order of the Knight Templars arrive, you know, now they got that and they latch on to the Novella Casta, which we already talked about. And it just kind of makes it, yeah, it just, it's nice where you add these little bit of elements slowly and you build up. It's a nice slow build. <laughs> yeah, I just remember the other times you make me laugh was just all the orc snipers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots of orc snipers on this planet for a planet that it's not infested by orcs. 
The other thing that kind of stuck out was that cool, like, force field dome. And I love that you uh, you didn't tell what it was, and you even gave, like, three options. Like, that, to me, is classic 40K writing, where it's, you let my mind run wild now. Like, this huge bubble now is around. Why? Dark Age of Tech Relic? Hard to say. I really enjoy that. I, I, I like leaving things as open as you possibly can. Um, and then, yeah, the other cool thing that you did was you brought it all the way up to the uh, Great Rift opening. So you basically covered like 1,000 years up to kind of this Great Rift. And you added some more details. Like we know that uh, this order is located on the far side in the Imperium Nihilist, which is pretty cool. Like you just, it's just little details that make it kind of all come together. Up next, we'll talk about how they recruit. Most recruits from the Order of the Crimson Lily come from the Scolia Pagena Harmonious Falls on Rakus IV. These young women were well indoctrinated in the teachings of the Ecclesiarchy and underwent military, military training from age 7, respectively once they joined the school. Since 712M41, there is an understanding that women of the Order of the Crimson Lily that find themselves expecting can take on a number of months leave away from the battlefield and deliver their offspring to the Scolia Pagenum before returning to the ranks with their with her sisters. The child would be cared for and educated in the Scolia Pagenum to eventually serve the God Emperor in whatever way the God Emperor sees fit. Young women in the northern desert tribes join these ranks every year, the winners of annual trials and rituals of repentance. These proud young women lack the structural and discipline of Scolia Pagenia alumni but are fearless in combat and possess an aptitude for small unit of tactics, mobile warfare, and small range firefights. Some sister superiors are concerned by their lack of exposure to the imperial cult, but in the centuries of sisters of the Seps serving among the ranks of the order militant, not one fled battle, fled the battlefield, or fell from grace. Additionally, a stream of volunteers enters the recruitment halls of the order every year, many of them pilgrims who ran out of coin, desperate souls who have no possessions to call their own, or are simply running away from their past. The Order carefully inspects every volunteer, since heretics and enemies of the God Emperor will always look for ways to infiltrate the ranks of the pious. Only a few of these women pass the strict mental and physical standards of the Order and are accepted as novices in the Order Militant. Those who are found pure in spirit can serve the non-militant orders of the Rakus Four. Okay, that's cool. Um, I like how you kind of, okay, if you're deemed worthy and like capable of actually standing up to the force of the chaos, you can serve in this regard. If not, just kind of serve as um, healers or preachers or whatever the may be, uh, the non-militant roles. I, I also like that you kind of paint that picture of the young desert tried women. Like, I, I kind of see their, when they wear their power armor, they must have like trinkets and tokens from their tribe. Like maybe... I don't even know what it would look like, but maybe they have tribal tattoos. So you can always point out these northern desert, desert uh, tribeswomen compared to the other one. It'd be cool to see if you just added just like one little one or two details on what that difference was. And then even being able to like convert that and take that into tabletop miniatures where, yeah, maybe you do paint on the tattoos. Or maybe you take um, the House Escher from Necromunda Heads and you put them on because they're like more punkish and like they have ruckus hairstyles and stuff like that but just a way to be like you know you could tell that two women in that squad are from the northern desert tribes um i really i really like that i think you should expand further on that 
Color scheme. Ordo Militant Crimson Lily. Armor, crimson and gold, tabard is white on the outside and black on the inside. In contrast to the Bloody Roads, their parent formation. Parent formation. While regular Sisters of Battle have red shoulder armor, Seraphim, Castellian, or higher ranks sport black shoulder armor. It is a great honor for every sister to earn her, earn her black wings. Non-militant orders. Order of the Crimson Cross, Hospitar. Armor, white with gold features, cloth, red and black. Order of the Divine Cipher, Dialogus. Armor, orange with gold features, cloth, red and white. Order of the Sacred Path, family li- family- Familyless? Armor, blue with white features, cloth, purple and white. Cool. So that's that's all there is for the uh, Order of the Crimson Lily. Um, we covered a lot there. Um, I think I I think I talked about pretty much everything I wanted to. I do like that you have like even the different orders have their own color schemes and stuff. That's cool. Um, but hey, there's actually a little bit more. Um, we talked for a quick hot second about the Holy Order of the Knights Templar, and uh, he has some of something written about that as well. So I'm going to share some of that now. Holy Order of the Knights Templar dedicated to Saint Arabella Ascendant. Crusader House. Honored Saint Arabella. Founding 799M41. Color Scheme. Black with Crimson Cloaks. This Crusader House was formed by the pilgrimers traveling to the Cathedral of the Crimson Lily. They believe distant terror to be a mythological place where the Crusaders will travel to after honorable death on the battlefield against the enemies of the emperor. Their belief is that they will be welcomed by him in the afterlife along and f- along the other dead and feast with him at his table. The order has a long and proud history of liberating wealth and relics from unsuspecting foes. <laughs> I love I love the word liberating wealth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um the the wealth needs to be free and we're the ones to free it. <laughs> Fuck. Um and then uh, you listed just a couple important characters. Uh, so the Grand Master of the Order is Brynhild Idaco, and he's a former Adeptus Arbites who found her calling... Oh, she is a former Adeptus Arbites who found her calling while clearing the streets of Galatira with her power mall. There's a champion called Brutus Maximus, catechin born and bred, strong in arm and thick in head. <laughs> Yeah, and rhyming too. That's perfect. I love that. And uh, Militant's Priest, Hilarius the Stoic, Fetus the Orator, and Titus the Booming. Um, very cool. Very cool. It, it's always fun coming up with like um, different ways people interpret like the Imperial Creed. Like, yeah, these people believe Terra is a distant place, and that's fine. And the Ecclesiarchy is even fine with them believing that. And yeah, when you go there, you get to go, fe- or when you die, you get to go there and feast with the Emperor. Like it, it's cool how as long as the Emperor is at the head of it, you can probably get away with any type of kind of cool religious uh, ceremonies or thoughts or beliefs or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's cool that you added them in there. Well, that's that is the story. Um, thank you so much for sharing it with us, uh, Thomas. That was fantastic. I, I I really liked a couple of things. Like the things that stand out to me is really just the planet that you created. You created such like a unique planet with a lot of cool different features and um, 
things that you can just play around with story element wise um like i just picture like the 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 shanty slums you know and just how everyone is like just dehydrated and there's lineups for water and here's your four drops a day enjoy um but you know also you have the astral watchtower and i've i've been i've been praising it this entire time i just can't get that picture of this like black adamantium tower out of my head and then eventually has a sweet force field around and no one knows why and no one can even contact the people inside anymore and it's just like this ever looming thing that you see on the horizon but you're you're like you know eventually it's going to become like this like thing that you tell your children where it's like don't go anywhere near there that's where the baddies are like it's just such a cool thing i really enjoyed that um i also really enjoyed the recruitment like uh who you recruit is who your soldiers are going to be and that's what gives your army the character so it, i i love those northern deserters but also i love just like pilgrimers who have come here on a pilgrimage and then join the order uh because they're just that devout and that like ready to be fucking crazy i guess <laughs> um yeah it, sweet story thank you so much for sharing i think i am done with my feedback hey if you guys have any feedback, come join the Discord. We have a discussion page on there where you guys can tell what you liked about this story, what you think you could change, or did you like how many different dates there were? Because I personally loved how many different dates. Every like little couple hundred years, we get this new little update and stuff. Um, so yeah, thank you for joining me. Thanks for listening to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. I'm your host, Mark, and uh, I will see you, uh, I guess I'll see you on Monday. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page and support the show at Lorehammer Listener Lore. See you next episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.